In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, today is the second Sunday of the blessed month of Amshir. And just as a reminder, uh, this month speaks about the meal that the Lord provides for us. This is why last week we heard the uh, Lord compare between the food that perishes and the food that endures into eternal life. Um, and you'll find most of the readings in this month that come from John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, the beginning of the chapter begins by the Lord uh, doing this miracle, which is the chaining of the five loaves or multiplying the five loaves and two fish to feed the multitude uh, in the wilderness. Uh, and then in the middle of this chapter, he describes how his miracle of feeding them in the wilderness is similar to how Moses fed the people of Israel or God through Moses fed the people in the wilderness, their forefathers, with the manna. And he says, and then at the end of the chapter, then he makes this connection between the people of Israel and Moses. Because by the way, one of the um, ways that they would recognize the Messiah would him being another Moses. So there are many parts in the Lord's life that were likened to Moses so the people would understand that he is the Messiah, uh, the one to come. So then he has this miracle where he feeds them with uh, five loaves and two fish. Then he explains how this is similar to the manna in the wilderness. And then in the end of this uh, chapter, he expresses how um, the bread that they ate in the manna perishes, but the bread that he will give is the one that endures into, into eternal life. And the bread which he gives is his own body and blood, his flesh. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So he moves from bread into flesh, and then he says that he will give it for the life of the world. Of course, many of them, they this was uh, um, new to their ear, so they questioned and said, how can a man give us his flesh to eat? And then the Lord said, most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. So He wanted to prepare them for this message that His body and blood are to be given to them for their life by giving them this miracle of the feeding of the five loaves and two fish. So He prepared them before He told them about the Eucharist uh, or about this communion. And this Eucharist, the communion that we partake just as it was in the time of Moses, and just as it was for the people when the Lord did this miracle, a kind of celebration. How do we know it was a celebration? Because immediately after he did this miracle, they said, let's come and make him a king. So they were very happy. It was a joyous time. In the same way, when we come to the divine liturgy and we experience this is a celebration when we come to partake of the Eucharist. So how is it that we should prepare ourselves to come and partake of the Eucharist or take communion. So I'll speak a little bit this morning about preparing for the Eucharist or for communion. The first way in which we should prepare to come and take communion is through prayer. Is through prayer. Um, and the church sets up for us many prayers before we actually take communion. And these prayers begin from the evening before. And actually from the evening before until the time we take communion, we actually pray the whole Egbeya. From the 11th and 12th hour in Vespers yesterday evening, the day before, then we pray the Egbeya, then we pray the Vesper praises, and then we pray Vespers, and then we pray the midnight prayers, and then we pray the morning Egbeya, 
and then the morning doxologies, and then matins, and then the liturgy of the word, and then finally the liturgy of the faithful or the Eucharist when we partake of his body and blood. All of these prayers are to prepare us to take communion. And we say, okay, how is it that we're going to prepare for prayer by prayer? It doesn't make much sense. But actually, if you think about it, most of the things we do, we prepare for by the same kind. For example, if I'm an athlete and I play baseball and I'm a pitcher, how does a pitcher warm up? He throws pitches, right? If I'm a football player and I play football and I'm the quarterback, how does the quarterback warm up? Does he kick a soccer ball? No, he throws the football, right? So the same motion and action that he's doing to warm up is what he's going to do in the real game, right? So the same thing, before we come and pray, we're praying to God, asking Him to prepare us to stand before Him in prayer. And the Jewish custom, you know, uh, the Jerusalem, as where the temple was, was on a mountain. So the Jews had some of the psalms they selected, they called them the psalms of ascent, Right, The Psalms, they pray as they're going up the mountain, going up to Jerusalem to pray and worship. And these Psalms were around 120 to 135 in the Bible. These Psalms are considered the Psalms of Ascent. Similarly, the church also arranged for us some Psalms to pray on the way to church. And they're primarily, if you look in Coptic Reader, they're under the section for the deacons. But this is something we can all pray because it's very beautiful and it prepares us to come you know, uh, to church. And maybe it's a good idea that we pray these psalms in the car instead of talk or fight with each other on the way to church. We can pray these psalms together in the car. <clears throat> and they begin, uh, some of them they begin, and they get our mind ready. For example, in Psalm 121, he says, I was glad for those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So again, rem- reminding ourselves that this is a celebration and we ought to be glad and privileged to come partake of the Eucharist. Then he says in Psalm 26, a beautiful psalm. He says, One thing I have asked the Lord, and this I will seek, that I should dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I should behold the fair beauty of the Lord and visit His holy temple. So we remind ourselves that this is the one thing that I desire in my life. And as I pray this psalm, I ask myself, is this really truly coming from my heart? Is this the one thing that I desire, that I come to the house of the Lord and to meet Him and see Him? And then as we enter the church, we pray Psalm 83. All of these, of course, are from the numbering, is from the Egbeya. We pray uh, Psalm 83. How beloved are your dwellings, O Lord God of hosts. My soul longs and faints for the courts of the living God. So as we're entering into the church, when we look at the beauty of the church, we say, how wonderful is this place, and my soul longs to be in your presence. In the introduction to the midnight praises, that we pray in the midnight, uh, the tizbaha that we pray the night before, the very first thing before, you know, as we begin the tizbaha, we begin the prayer, the very first thing is the hymn of Tenthino. And in this hymn we say what? Grant us sobriety, O Lord, that we may know how to stand before you at times of prayer. So we're praying to God to grant us the alertness and sobriety to stand up to pray to Him. Again, we begin by prayer. When we come to the church, if we come early, the the parts in the Igbeya that we pray are the third and sixth hour usually on Sunday. But what about the first hour? The first hour actually should be prayed by us at home before we come. So sometimes we say, okay, I'm going to church today, so I don't need to pray my Igbeya this morning. But actually we do. We still need to pray our morning prayer because when we come into church, we pray the third and the sixth you know, hour. We prepare for prayer by prayer. 
Number two is we need to we cultivate the right mindset. This is the second way how we prepare to come to uh, celebrate the Divine Liturgy. What do I mean cultivate the right mindset? Is I put in my mind that I'm going to do a heavenly function because this is something that the angels do incessantly. And I'm coming to participate and share in the praise of the angels uh, with, of course, uh, um, and praising God. But I also get a privilege that the angels don't get, which is partaking of his body and his blood. So I come with this mindset. So when I come to uh, the liturgy, I need to remind myself to stay focused. What I mean stay focused is not just here and now, but I'm speaking like from the night before. My focus is to take communion from the night before. So is it fitting for us that I come maybe, and actually, by the way, Vespers is for everyone. It's not just for Abuna and some of the deacons and, and just maybe a few of the people. So it's for all of us. If you remember, I am COVID. Do you remember that? When everything was by registration, we had the highest attendance of Vespers during this time where it was, you know, forbidden. Maybe because it was forbidden. Maybe we should go back and say, okay, no one can come to Vespers unless you sign up. Perhaps we'll get you know, more, uh, more of you here. But it's for everyone. So from the night before, we begin to prepare. So is it fitting for us to come to Vespers, then attend some of the uh, praises? And then between this, I go home, and while I go home, I'm watching, uh, you know, social media, I'm scrolling through social media, I'm watching like, a movie or a show, or I'm playing video games, and then the next morning I come to the liturgy. Does it seem like this is the right place for this? It's not. It's not. Let's keep this right, right mindset from the night before, that tomorrow I'm going to go and partake of the Eucharist, which is the body and blood of the Lord. And we ought to keep this mindset of what we're doing uh, and what we're preparing for. Also, anytime we go somewhere and we prepare, <clears throat> we often choose our clothing based on the event that I'm going to. And we spoke, spoke a, lot, a lot about like how we dress and how it should be appropriate. But how about like the attention we give to what we come to present ourselves to the Lord with. For example, like if I go to a wedding or I'm going to a reception, the clothing is usually prepared well in advance, right? So, and then it, is it, you know, it's presentable. And it's usually the best thing that we have. And sometimes we buy something new just for this occasion. I'm not saying, you know, gentlemen, I'm not telling the ladies to go buy new dresses every Sunday, okay? By all means, I'll get myself in trouble. Alright? But I'm saying what, that we should look and consider, okay, I'm going to partake of the Eucharist, so I should prepare my clothing from the day before. If it needs to be ironed, I iron. If it needs to be washed, it's washed. So it's ready. And this is not just simply so, yes, so we can be on time, of course, but it shows God my eagerness to go and meet with Him when I'm preparing from the night before. Also, sleeping early, you know, is a way, again, we prepare ourselves. It's very difficult to pay attention and to focus in church if you're tired. It's hard to do that for anything if you're tired, and especially when we come to church. So let's sleep early the night before. It's not a time for us to stay up late and, you know, to do things uh, that have nothing to do with our spiritual life. So the second way is cultivating the right mindset. Number three is by repentance. <clears throat> In uh, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, look what he says to them in chapter 11. He says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So he's saying for us to come and partake of the Eucharist, we have to be worthy. 
And he says if we take it in an unworthy manner, we'll be guilty of the body. Being guilty of the body meaning us like this will be our condemnation. We'll be like those who crucified him. Okay? Um, and he says, how is it then that we prepare ourselves? He says, but let a man examine himself. This is repentance. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the uh, bread and drink of the cup. So before we come here, there should be some time for us to offer repentance between myself and God. If I can meet with my father of confession, great. But at least it's between me and God. Perhaps this time between Vespers and before I go to sleep would be a great time, you know, for me to examine myself rather than playing and doing things that are useless. So repentance is the examining of one's heart and seeking forgiveness from God and perhaps making a vow to uh, change my life. If we look at like the story of Zacchaeus <clears throat> that we're all familiar with, what happened was that he wanted to receive the Lord. He wanted to meet him. This is why we come here. We want to meet the Lord in the Eucharist. And what happens is that he, the Lord finds him and he meets him, and then he receives him into his home. And we here, when we come, we come and receive the Lord into our heart. And then when the Lord is in his home, he offers repentance. and says, you know, I've, I've cheated many people. Let me give half my money to the poor and the other half to those whom I cheated. So he offers this repentance. And in exchange for this, the Lord then tells him what that salvation has come to this house. So he received this promise of salvation, but only after he repented, right? So it's imperative for us before we come particularly because we offer some kind of repentance. It's not fitting for us to come maybe late to the church and then I come from the street and come straight, you know, to communion. Where is the preparation of my heart and my mind to partake of the Eucharist? <clears throat> so there should be repentance. Number four is I should be bringing an offering. I should be bringing something. And uh, again, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter in the last chapter. Listen carefully to what he instructs them. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, which is their offering for their brethren, he says, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. So he ordered not only the Corinthians, but all the churches like Galatia, that they should come with some kind of offering for the collection of the saints. And he says, when should we do this? He says, on the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside. What's the first day of the week? This is the day of the Lord. This is Sunday. So when we come and worship, part of our worship is coming to offer Him something. And I know most of us, or a lot of us, we do things electronically, and we give a check at the end of the month, and that's it. But there's something to be said about coming to the church and offering Him something, right? Um, you know, when we do the offering of the Lamb, we pray and we say, you know, that we offer up to you your gifts that are yours. So if I come to church and have nothing to offer, and I didn't offer anything, then what am I offering? Right? Even if it's just a dollar, like, because if you do your tithe, you know, electronically, fine. But maybe just bring a dollar. And you and your kids, we put like a dollar into the donation box as a symbol that we're coming to offer something to Him. And it's not just money, but it's our service, you know, it's our waking up early, it's, you know, the sacrifice we make for the things we could be doing at this time. All of these things are offerings we bring to Him when we come to Him. And, you know, in the Old Testament, this is something that's nothing new, but in, even in the Old Testament, the Lord tells the people of Israel, don't come to the house of God empty-handed. Don't come empty-handed. 
The offering that we come to offer is not because God needs it. But when we come to offer something, it's an expression of our gratitude and thanksgiving. in Egypt, when you go to somebody's house, you know, especially if they're going to be any food, exactly. Why? Because it's an expression of our gratitude and thanksgiving for hosting us, right? And this is just for earthly food at the end of the day. So what about the one who's hosting us, giving us heavenly food? Right? We should come with something to offer to him. Um, offering what is ours is also a step in a path of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. What do I mean? If I begin and offer the things that I have, this is preparing us and teaching us how not to offer our things and more things, but ultimately to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. A shuhda, for example. Do you think that they were just, they could be martyrs just kidda from, from nowhere? No. They were able to give of themselves their things first to God, and then they're able to give, you know, their own life. Look what St. Paul says to the Romans. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So when I come and offer to God my things, then I can offer to Him myself as well. You know? Where, okay, it's not about now things that just for me, but it's about now offering myself even to God through uh, service or martyrdom or however it is that we're called to offer ourselves to Him. The fifth way we prepare for uh, the liturgy or communion is by reconciliation. If we say repentance is healing the relationship between myself and God, Reconciliation is healing my relationship with me and my brethren. This is reconciliation. Seeking forgiveness for those whom we've offended and for those who have something against me. I'll remind you what the Lord taught us in Matthew 5. He says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, again, the offering that we bring, if we bring it to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. When we first read it, we think, okay, if I come and offer my gift to the altar, if I've wronged somebody, then let me go apologize and make, you know, amends. This goes without saying, right? This is, goes without saying. This is what we should be doing. But the Lord takes it another, another level up. And He says what? Leave, um, uh, if there you remember that your brother has something against you. So if you remember, that your brother is upset with you because of something, go and reconcile to him. Meaning what? That it wasn't my fault. Maybe somebody else's fault. But I'm still going and going to reconcile with him. When Adam and Eve, when they ate from the fruit, whose fault was this? Was it God's fault or was it Adam and Eve's fault? Adam and Eve's fault, right? Did God wait for Adam and Eve to come and apologize to him? Blacks, they didn't. But he went to them, right? He went to them. He sets the ultimate example. So even if I remember somebody maybe did something to me and there's something like between us, then even if it's that, I'll go to him and say, Ha'akaleya, I hope everything's okay. And we try to reconcile. And then we come and offer our offering. There needs to be this reconciliation. Why? Because this reconciliation shows our unity with one another. And this is so important. Do we, do we separate or do we have many, you know, uh, 
bodies that we all partake of and we have it individually. Like in some churches, each person gets like a cracker or a wafer, right? But here we have, there's one bread, and this one bread, we all take a part of this one bread. Meaning why? We're all one body. Can one body be divided against itself? Can it be fighting against each other and be still united? Absolutely not, right? When this happens in the human body, we say there's a disorder. There's something going on here. There's something wrong. This is disease, right? This is what we call it. So it's imperative that we, when we come to partake of the Eucharist, that we try as much as we can to reconcile. Because at the end of the day, we're coming to be united in the same body. The sixth way we can come uh, and find a way to prepare for the Eucharist is to honor Him and His home. When, again, when we are invited to a reception or to somebody's house, there's things that we ask before we go. We ask, for example, can I bring any food with me? Can I bring something? Um, or I can say, okay, what's the attire? How should we dress when we come? Is it casual? Is it business? Or how is it that, what's the attire that we should uh, dress? And then maybe we can ask, are there any house rules? Like, is it okay if the kids go upstairs or not? Or should the kids stay downstairs? Should we take off our shoes when we come in? Right? So we ask ourselves these things before we go to anyone's, you know, home or we're invited. Sometimes when we come to the church, we disregard these things when we come to his home. And we dishonor him by doing so. How so? We dishonor him when we come to his home for this banquet for example, by being distracted on our phones. I'm coming now to somebody's house and I'm invited and I come to their home, meaning what? That I'm, I want to be with you. And then when I come into their home, I just sit on my phone. How many of us would be insulted if we en- invited someone over and, and it was an intimate invitation, wasn't a big gathering, it's just like one family or two families and then while we're sitting together, they pull out their phone and they spend the time on their phone. We'll all be insulted. And maybe we won't say anything or them home because we don't want to embarrass them why are we going to invite them again? They don't want to be here, right? So it's a dishonor to God when we come to His home and we spend the time texting somebody else, checking messages, checking the news, checking the score of the games, and even sometimes watching games and things in the church. It's a great dishonor that we do when we are distracted when we come to Him. And again, when I said about asking about the rules, the church gives us, you know, a certain attire and how we should dress. When I come and I disregard this, and mind you, the way we dress to church is not, it's for every time we come to church. It's not simply just for the, for the divine liturgy. Isn't every time we come to the church, is this not his house? When we come, for example, to attend a wedding in the church, are we coming to some reception hall? Is it somewhere else? Or is it still the church? It's still the church. And it deserves the same kind of honor and reverence and respect as we do when we come on Sunday, right? So the clothing choice shouldn't change in terms of, you know, the rules in which I govern and how I dress. Not caring for his home. Again, if I, when I go to somebody's house and I have my kids, and my, you know, my kids maybe are running around, before I leave, you know, and if I'm any keen, I'll go around and make sure my kids didn't mess up anything in the house. And if they left their socks somewhere, I'm going to pick them up. If they spilled some crackers, I'm going to go clean them up afterwards, right? So I'm taking care of the home, maybe perhaps better than I would my own home. So the same thing. When I honor this house, I honor it by taking care of it. I don't look and say, okay, there's something on the floor. I didn't throw it, so I'm just going to leave it. No. 
caring for me, I'm going to pick it up even if I didn't do it. Right? This, this is God's home. And this shows us honor and respect and gratitude that He invited us into His home. And lastly, we dishonor Him by coming late. We dishonor, I know I'm speaking to the choir because you're all here. I should probably give this point at the end of the liturgy, um, because all of you are here now. But coming late is a dishonor to Him. You know, I know in our custom in Egypt, any coming late is like fashionable, you know. Um, but it, it's not respectful, right? Because say if I'm going to invite you over to my house and I say, okay, we're going to get together from like two to five. And I make plans after five, I'm going to get ready because I'm going to attend Vespers. If you come late and you leave late, then I can't attend Vespers or I can't attend whatever it is I have after because you stayed maybe late, right? For coming on time is showing honor and respect for where the person in whose house we're coming. So when I come late, and I come, you know, uh, very late to this banquet, and then I'm showing a dishonor. And actually, we should remind ourselves of the passages in Scripture where those people came late. Remember the passage in Matthew 25 about the five wise and five foolish virgins? Right? The five foolish virgins left to get oil, and by the time they came back, it was what? It was too late. The door was shut, right? The door was shut. So coming late, you know, we shouldn't get used to it because when the trumpet sounds at the end of time, we don't want to be found being late. You know, Rabin is not going to be like, oh, okay, I accept all of us who are fashionably late, come on in. It's the door will shut and those who are in or in, those who are out are out. Okay? But this is how we prepare for the Eucharist. We prepare, number one, we said by prayer. We prepare by cultivating the right mindset, by repentance, coming with an offering, reconciling with our brother, and honoring him and his home. Um, God willing, next week we'll speak about how it is that we can benefit from the divine liturgy, and how is it during the prayers we can stay uh, as focused as we can, and maybe some of the challenges that we face while we're here in the church for the liturgy. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.